You're below me. I'm the greatest. I'm brave. I'm strong. I am the greatest. You're below me. I'm just too great. I'm just too good. I'm, I'm the messiah of messiahs. I'm just too fucking good, man. You're just the presence of me. The, the everything of me. I'm just too fucking great. I'm just so brave and so strong and so tough. I'm just... I'm just gold. I'm beyond gold. I'm just... It's unreal. I am the seventh dimension. I, I, I control seven billion energy sectors in this world. In the universe. And seven, seven solar systems. I am the lucky number seven. I am the greatest. I'm better than everyone. It's just me. I am the one. Uh, what, what the fuck am I going on about now? I was talking to my dog. Sorry. I am not the one. I am going to talk about the flow. That was very egotistical of me. Everybody has got greatness in them, including dogs, dolphins, and little ants on the streets, creeping along, minding their business throughout the day. As I go on to the flow, personalized programming growth was astonishing. When it came to all the problems associated with rapidly growing technology company, managing 10 to 20 people is one thing. Managing 55 is quite another. At some point you have stopped Hiring managers just to manage the people. I resisted creating middle management as much as possible. I tried to let the teams manage themselves with my constant guidance. Because we had grown from the ground up. And very few of my people ever left. We had a tremendous wealth of technical and industry knowledge in our programming group. With 25% of all independent physicians across the United States using the medical manager, the practice management industry flowed throughout Florida. We didn't have to decide what direction to go in. We were surfers riding the powerful wave of the industry demand. There was so much work to do that it was almost impossible to keep up. By late 1994 I began to realize that I couldn't possibly run all the programming groups and the financial and management aspects of the multi-million dollar business. As well as prepare for the next wave of growth. I needed some serious help. So I did what I always did, worked even harder and waited for the flow of life to do its thing. It was in this backdrop that I first met Tim Stully. Tim was a professional software developer and a senior IT consultant 
who had decided to move his family out to the country. He had chosen the tiny town of High Springs, just a few miles north of Alchua. As his new home, if you're a professional IT person and you'll move out to my neck of the woods, you are certainly going to hear about personalized programming. Tim applied for a job just like anyone else would. But Tim was not like anyone else. Tim was another miracle. Just like everything else that showed up exactly when it was supposed to. Life had dropped this highly skilled and experienced IT developer executive in my lap. He would not only end up being the solution to the software de development problems we were having. He would also end up being the solution to a much larger problem that hadn't even surfaced yet. I remember the first time I met Tim. He was in a rush to find employment in the area so he could move his family up before school started for his children. After seeing his resume, I allowed HR to set up a Saturday meeting so Tim did not have to miss work. He was young, very clean and proper looking. And his right hand he was carrying a Bible. That's unusual thing to bring to a job interview. But Tim was clearly a very religious Christian. And he wanted me to know it. I had no problem with that. But I was sure that he would not have a problem with a ponytailed, sandal-wearing yogi for a boss. We went up to my office and we began to get to know each other. Tim was, in fact, a rocket scientist. He had worked for years at Harris Corporation writing code for missile guidance systems. I immediately realized I could check off the smart enough box. He had been a developer, team leader, and a project manager. Tim excelled so thoroughly at his overall project development and people skills that he was now a senior consultant for the Texas Instruments running large projects for clients. Interestingly, at that time he was consulting on a major IT project for the Blue Cloth Blue Shield of Florida. We began to discuss development philosophy and we were as different as the way we draft. To me, software development was a creative art. To him it was an engineering project. The truth is I knew it had to be both in order to be successful in the long run. Tim clearly brought to the table the experimental discipline that comes from being a senior software engineer in the Fortune 500 technology company. We were desperately in need of that knowledge and experience. Tim and I spent hours together and really got to like each other. 
He was a perfect fit for the, what the personalized programming needed. Both professionally and personally. But I still had one issue that needed to be resolved. If Tim was going to seriously consider taking the job, I needed to be sure he was going to be comfortable with who I was. At some point he was certainly going to hear about the temple across the street. I decided the only fair thing to do was to take him over there and show him around. I was amazed by how open Tim was to the temple. He was fascinated by the artifacts of various religions and asked a lot of deep questions about meditation and yoga. It turned out that Tim was much more than a very religious person. He was a deeply spiritual and was a truly a lover of God. Rather than being offended of how I had come up, he was inspired by it. A very deep spiritual bond formed that day as we shared our spiritual experience and belief with each other. This bond of spiritual friendship grew stronger and stronger over the next 10 years that we worked together. Apparently life had outdone itself once again. I hired Tim and we decided to quietly bring him in as a developer instead of a top management. He wanted to work directly with my people to get to know the development environment firsthand. The plan was that after some months he would start to recognize and take charge of the development teams. I would remain in charge of the product direction. He would be in charge of the engineering. I couldn't wait to find out how much of the load Tim would be capable of carrying. The medical manager product was more than 15 years old by the time Tim began working with it. It had been designed for small doctor practices and was now being used to run large clinics and sprawling managed care organizations. It was not unusual for some of our largest dealers to install systems that supported hundreds of users. If this kept up, we eventually outgrow the technical capabilities of the software. In addition, our clients were beginning to ask us to modernize the overall product. The writing was on the wall. Unless we did something, our days were numbered. If we wanted a solid foundation for the future, we were going to have to completely rewrite the product. This was a decision from the faint of heart. It was going to take a tremendous investment, putting at risk years of development resources and millions of dollars as I pondered over the enormity of the project that lay before us. It really hit me. This was the real reason that Tim had been sent to us. He had been sent to re-engineer the medical manager into a totally new product with the latest development technology. <clears throat> we couldn't afford to stop the rapid pace of the development of the existing system. 
So I gave Tim the go-ahead to hire an entire additional development team to build the new product. Integrity would be the new product's name. And it would be a good thing we are building more buildings because we were certainly going to need them. I trusted Tim implicitly and gave him whatever he asked for. It took us close to five years to release the new product. But when we were all said and done, we ended up with a product that would keep us in the marketplace for many years to come. As I look back now, it is so obvious that we could never have succeeded as we did without Tim showing up exactly when he did. How in the world did this keep happening again and again? There was so much work to do at the personalized programming that I pretty much worked all of my waking hours. Except for my mornings and evenings in the temple. The temple community was so stable that it hardly took any of my management time. Radha was able to manage the temple and his finances. Even though her position as the chief financial controller at the personalized programming kept her working day and night. In the midst of all this transformation, the temple was about to experience a change of its own. At the end of 1994, Amit had a major falling out with his followers. As is the case with so many people we put on, on the pedestal, some inappropriate behavior from his past came to light. And the situation proved extremely difficult for everyone. When I heard that Amrit had actually left the community, I invited him and his wife to come up and spend some quiet time living with us in the temple. To be there when a person is sorrowing and grieving high is an easy relationship. To be there during the hard times requires deep friendship. All of us had received a great deal from Amrit over the years. We were humbled at the opportunity to give something back. Radha had been living in the Jenkins house for several years by then, since it was the nicest house on our property. She immediately offered to move out. In December 1994, Amrit and his wife moved into that house and ended up living there for the better part of three years. It was an amazing experience to be that close to such an evolved person going through such a life-changing experience. While he was here, Amrit simply allowed the situation to put him through whatever changes he needed to go through. Situations are like this are like fire. Amrit just wanted to use that fire for spiritual purification. He wasn't sad, he wasn't hurt, and he wasn't scared. He was just completely surrendered to going through the experience. I constantly saw in Amrit what I always saw inside of me. When push came to shove, 
I don't care what it takes. Just free me from myself. Please. The only meaningful prayer is that this white hot fire be so destructive to the personal self that it severs the cord that binds. Standing soul to soul, Amrit and I had that in common. Liberation at any cost. I didn't isolate myself from what Amrit was going through. I wanted to share the experience of what exploring what it would be like inside of everything we were taking away outside. I recalled King Solomon's wisdom for everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. I had been honored to know Amrit as a world-renowned teacher. I was now all the more honored to be close to him as he passed through a period of great darkness, or better put, as a period of great darkness passed through him. He never complained, he never got depressed or angry. He just spent each day surrendering at a deeper and deeper level. Reality was what it was. Might as well use it to let go of the personal self. As with all things, in time the energy began to shift. The noise of the past subsided and opportunities for the future began to open up. One day Amrit asked me to take a drive with him to see a place he had found in Okala National Forest. It was in a very small town, less than an hour and a half south of the temple. I couldn't believe the place when I saw it. It was an absolutely beautiful giant house sitting on the shore of a gorgeous lake. And there was also five or six cabins on the property. It was a perfect home for Amrit and his family. Every place I walked, I felt Amrit. I had known him for years, and I knew his taste. You have, could not have custom built a home specifically for him that was more perfect than this place. I had, hold, I had to hold back my tears as I realized it was over. The period of darkness had passed. I encouraged him to buy the property if he could afford it. He then told me the price. I couldn't believe my ears. It was a deal of the century. I learned a lot about surrender by being with Amrit during this whole ordeal. What I saw was that no matter who we are, life is going to put us through the changes we need to go through. The question is, are we willing to use this force for our transformation? I saw that even the very intense situations don't have to leave psychological scars. If we are willing to process our changes or at a deeper level, 
My surrender experiment has already taught me to deeply honor the transformative power of life. Sharing that time with Amrit would prove to be all the more important since life as I knew it was once again to go through a major unexpected change. If you had asked me in 1995 what I thought the future of personalized programming looked like, I would have told you we had grown about as big as we could and the challenge was going to be staying on top of our industry. If you had asked me about my surrender experiment, I would have told you that the relentless practice of letting go myself in order to fully embrace what was unfolding around me would have a profound effect on my spiritual growth. It had in fact become my way of life. I had seen time and time again that letting go not only led to amazing results, but it also left me in a state of profound inner peace. I was not in charge. Life was in charge. And there was an underlying sense of enthusiasm and excitement about getting to see what was going to happen next. After all, just look at what happened so far. By the end of 1995, personalized programming had grown to 75 employees and had enough work to keep us busy for a very long time. I loved what we were doing and we were obviously very good at it. Our revenue has reached $10 million a year. And since most of that was royalty payments, we were profiting 5 to $6 million a year. The medical manager itself was more than 15 years old by then. And it was touching the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. In my limited view of things, I saw us going on like this for the foreseeable future. It was the first clue of that dramatic change was once again on the horizon. Came when I learned that Systems Plus and many of the dealers was discussing the possibility of merging together into one big company. Apparently they felt this would help them compete better at the national level. Soon afterwards I received a visit from one of our large dealers, John Kang, who was headquartered in Tampa. He informed me that he had been working on a proposal to consolidate the medical manager dealers in a combined company. He laid out his plan of initially purchasing personalized programming system plus and three or four of the larger dealerships. He explained that it would take a large initial investment 
but he already had that line up. John's presentation was very professional, but I didn't see why personalized programming had to be involved. I told him that I would be willing to legally commit to providing the medical manager software to the new company. He then dropped the bombshell. Any investors in the company would insist that the foundational software be owned by the company itself. I was very uncomfortable with the thought of selling personalized programming. I was even more uncomfortable thinking that I would be the reason that all these hundreds of dealers and Systems Plus were unable to get their hard-earned value from their businesses. I told John I was not interested in selling the businesses at any price, but if my reluctance was truly in the way of everyone else's dreams, I would have to give his proposal some consideration. I told him he could come back and see me if he succeeded in getting others to buy into his plan. What I was really hoping, however, was that the whole thing would just fall through by itself. John returned a few weeks later having obtained some buy-in from some of the largest dealers as well as Systems Plus. The handwriting was all over the wall. This was becoming all like all the previous times I had put aside my strong personal preferences and surrender to what was manifesting before me. I didn't like it one bit, but I was fully committed to seeing where the path of surrender to life was going to lead me. John Kang made me a persuasive author for the personalized programming that included both cash and stock in the new company. He then set out on the journey, a difficult journey, of merging five businesses into one and raising the funds needed to pull the merger off. The bankers decided it would be best to raise the necessary $150 million by sharing shares of the new company publicly. The date for the initial public offering called the IPO was set up for early 1997, but a lot of work still needed to be done. What a world to be thrown into. Personalized programming had grown gradually from its humble roots of one employee, me. It was now a very well organized, highly successful private company. This level of organization was not going to exist when a bunch of independently run businesses get thrown in into a big pot together. There was going to be the expected power struggles, dealer acquisition issues, and constant legal and financial issues to be ironed out. Nonetheless, 
I didn't allow myself to get caught up in all those negative thoughts. I just remained open and completely intrigued by what was unfolding. It was decided that a new company would be called Medical Manager Corporation. I must admit, I liked that. I flashed back to 1981 when I was finishing the software and first came up with the name The Medical Manager. Fifteen years later, Medical Manager was now going to become a public company. Standing as the threshold of this major event, I was totally in awe seeing where my experience with surrender had managed to lead me. This will continue a week later, as I gotta jack off and meditate right now. Right now. You see, I meditate in the temple of the Buddhist, and I let life unfold before me. The flower blossoms as the sage and the lime and the peach mixed together to perform the strawberry milkshake. As I drink the strawberry milkshake with the lime on the side, I cook the pork in the fajita, put some mint sauce on the pork, mix it with tomatoes and lettuce and lime and leaves and basil leaves and then put a little bit of mustard on that to top it off. Have a nice fajita and eat it down right to the bone. I didn't mean bone, I mean eat the whole fajita. It was a wonderful, tasty experience, really. Hey, Saman. Saman.